Here we have not only Peter, James, and John, and they're standing there in the flesh, and all of a sudden they look at Christ, and Christ is in His glorified body. And then we have Moses and Elisha. Moses died, remember? Moses died, and who buried Moses? God buried Moses. He's the only man in the whole Bible that God had a personal funeral for Moses. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Returning to Mark's Gospel, we're glad you've joined us to take a close look at the day Jesus gave His closest friends a small glimpse of His divine nature. As He stood on a mountaintop, transfigured in glory, Jesus revealed He had come to earth not only to heal the sick and encourage the needy, but to free the world from sin with His saving power. Let's listen as Raul Reese begins today's lesson. Jesus has been speaking to the disciples about discipleship. If you notice in chapter 8, uh, beginning with verse uh, 34, he says, When he had called the people to him with his disciples, also he said unto them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it or save it. For what profit does a man have if he gain the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And you know, it's pretty incredible when you think about discipleship and you think of the the conduct that a disciple of Jesus Christ is supposed to have. The word disciple means a learner. We're learning about God. We're learning about Christ. We're learning about the Holy Spirit. We're learning about the things of God. And then as we learn those things, then we're called to share them with other people concerning the truth of God. But then you think of how many people today are really thinking of their souls. The soul. The most important thing in men and women. And yet... Think of all the people tonight that do not care about their souls. They don't really believe that the soul is eternal. And it's pretty incredible because before you come to Christ, you're actually led and actually the power of your life is in the flesh and the soul is actually dead. There's no life in it. But the moment you become a child of God, there's a flip over. Where now the Spirit of God not only has come into my life, but now my Spirit is ruling over my life. Governed by God. Bringing myself into obedience to God. We can't act the way we used to act. Something happened. We had a transformation. We had a renewal within our lives. God did something that nobody can do. Not even psychology can do that. We were born from above, from heaven. This experience that every one of us not only experience. And so as we become Christians, we begin to learn that the way up is the way down first. You have to humble yourself. You have to deny yourself. You have to die to yourself. 
in order to become what God wants you to be. And it's not just a once and for all thing. It's a constant daily dying to your flesh. Dying to yourself. So that Christ can live in me and through me. For that's the only way that God can use my life. There has to be more of God and less of me. As a child of God. That's why we must be good disciples of Jesus Christ. We must be committed with a cause. The suicide bombers, man, their cause and their belief tells them, Hey, you can become a martyr. You can die for what you believe. And they do it. Christ is not asking us to die. He's asking us to live for what we believe. You see? To live for what we believe. And as he's talking to the disciples, they're listening to this whole lesson. Then all of a sudden, he says, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Then he talks about the price of the soul. How much is your soul worth? What are you willing to sell your soul for? A girlfriend? Wine? Cocaine? Sexual experience? Money? Fame? Imagine that. And there are people that sell their soul. Judas Iscariot, the one that walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and worked with Jesus, at the end of his three and a half years of ministry, he sold his soul for a $20 bill. He betrayed the Lord for $20. And he went out and hung himself. And he ended up as a son of perdition in hell. Those are the kind of people people are going to be meeting in hell. People from the past, wicked, murderous people, rebellious people, like Hitler, Mussolini, and every evil person and leader that has ever lived and never has repented, and every atheist that has ever lived, they're going to be there in hell. But the saddest thing about that is that when the white throne judgment comes, hell will be cast into the lake of fire. The Antichrist, the false prophet, every demon and Satan himself will go into the lake of fire. And then this is the words of Jesus. Every person that ever died and went to hell are going to have to line up for a roll call. And the books are going to be opened. And whoever's name was not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. And this is their second death. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever separated from the light of Jesus Christ and from everything that is righteous. Everything that is righteous. Forever and ever and ever consciously know what's going on. Being tormented by their own minds. From every opportunity they had to receive Christ and rejected Christ. Pretty awesome when you think of the Word of God. That's why Jesus gave these lessons, very important lessons. Then in verse 38, he says, For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed. When he comes in the glory of his father, notice with his holy angels. Now, 
Because the writers to the Bible, these are not the apostles. These are the writers, the ones that write the text. When the copyists were actually copying from the Greek, the New Testament. And they were putting together in the 1500s, they began to put an order to the New Testament. Which means they began to put order like chapters and verses. In the original manuscripts, in the Hebrew and in the Greek, there are no verses and chapters. When you pick up an actual manuscript in the Greek, there are no chapters or verses. Everything runs in together. Very hard to read. So what they did to make it easier for the lay people is they took the verses and chapters and made them so that we can say, okay, turn to chapter 9 tonight, verse 3. So we could do that. But imagine reading the New Testament in the original languages without chapters, without verses. So what they did is they actually broke it up. And sometimes when they would break up the chapters, they actually moved verses into the other chapter that belonged to the previous chapter. That happened here in chapter 8 and 9. Chapter 9 verse 1 belongs in chapter 8. That should be the last verse. But they made it here chapter 9 verse 1. Look what it says. And then he said unto them, Surely I say unto you, that there are some of you standing here, they will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Notice how? Present with power. Present with power. Now remember, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to face the cross very soon. And so he's teaching all these last moment lessons to them. But at the same time, he's reminding them that Jesus here in Caesarea Philip is reminding them that not only is Jesus Christ going to die and rise again, but he's going to come again. He's going to build a kingdom, what we call the millennium kingdom or the kingdom age. After the second coming of Christ, the 45 day judgment of Daniel chapter 12, Matthew 25, then there will be a period of a thousand years. And before he establishes that period of time, Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit according to Revelation 20 and 21. Bind for a thousand years locked up. Every person that came out of the second coming of Christ and did not take the mark of the beast, Jew and Gentile, will be able to go into the thousand year reign of Christ with their bodies, not their divine body, with their own bodies they'll go in. And they will repopulate the earth. We will be coming back with Christ at the second coming with our glorified bodies. You see? No more marriage, no more given in marriage. But we are going to rule with Christ in our heavenly bodies. I mean, if I want to go to New York, I don't take a plane, I just go. I'm in my glorified body. You see? But what's amazing is that these people that go into the thousand year reign of Christ, after a thousand year reign of ruling with Christ, and watching Christ rule and reign, believe it or not, God is going to give one more opportunity to examine their hearts. Babies will die at a hundred years old, according to Isaiah the prophet in chapter 60 to 66. And then what he's going to do, he's going to unlock the bottomless pit one more time. And Satan's going to be let out. Revelation 21. And what does he do? He goes out and he gathers together an army of people to fight against Jesus. Can you believe that? And Jesus wipes them all out. 
And then he sets up the white throne judgment. And after the white throne judgment, the new heavens and the new earth. Everything begins brand new. People will be out into the lake of fire forever and ever in darkness. And then we are going to be with Jesus Christ. And yet I don't understand everything we're going to be doing. But it's going to be exciting to be with Jesus Christ. That's where we're heading. Life after death is real. So here Jesus is telling me, hey, look, there is going to be a transformation. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Don't forget, we're here to spur you on in a life of following Jesus. Visit us anytime at somebodylovesyou.com or call us at 800-634-9165. In just a few moments, we'll tell you how you can get a book that will help guide you to triumph in Christ. Now, back to more with Raul Reese in Mark's Gospel. Now, Jesus is up in Caesarea Philippi, and it's close to Mount Hermon which is in the north of Tel Dan. Beautiful, beautiful area in Israel. And he's going up to this mountain. And there he's going to be taking some of his disciples. Look at verse 2. And now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Uh, These were his priority. Not the others. I mean, not that he loved these more than the others. But these guys were like the insiders. Peter, James, and John. And led them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. This is now what we call the transfiguration of Christ. As he goes up to Mount Hermon. What happens is he's standing there with them. And what happens is that he is transformed into the future. And they see him in his second coming glorified body. And they're blown away when they see that. Look what it says. And his clothes became like shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. No bleach could ever whiten how white he was. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Now, what is interesting, here in the Mount uh, Transfiguration, here we have not only Peter, James, and John, and they're standing there in the flesh, And all of a sudden they look at Christ. And Christ is in His glorified body. Transfigured right in front of them. And then we have Moses and Elijah. Moses died. Remember Moses died. And who buried Moses? God buried Moses. He's the only man in the whole Bible. That God had a personal funeral for Moses. And here we see him now. As he was not able to cross to the other side, remember, because what he did in the wilderness, he beat the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And because he became angry, he disqualified himself. And God said, you're not going to cross to the other side. But here we see him now in his glorified body. He did finally made it to the other side with Elijah. Now, Moses is the lawgiver. He's the one that wrote the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of Moses. And so we see him as the law, representing the law of God. But then Elijah is someone that needs to be talked about just a little bit. Because there's Elijah and Elijah. Don't confuse both of them. This is Elijah, the one that never ever died. Remember, as he was actually walking, a chariot of fire came in 2 Kings and picked him up and took him to heaven. 
And there was another guy in the Bible that never died. His name was what? Enoch. Enoch and Elijah never ever died. They were taken by God. And of course, Enoch becomes a type of what? Of the rapture of the church. But here we see Elijah now at the second coming of Christ in the Mount of Transversation with Elijah and Moses. And they're talking to Jesus. Imagine that. And yet Elijah is going to be one of the prophets in Revelations chapter 11 that will be coming back right in the seven year tribulation at the beginning of it with another person that some believe is going to be Moses. Some believe it will be Enoch. We really don't know who the second one will be. But there are going to be two witnesses coming. And for the first three and a half years of the tribulation, they're going to preach and they're going to bring fire from the heavens. They're going to close the waters of the heavens and the nations of the world will become so mad at him and the Antichrist. That the Bible says in Revelation 11 that eventually they will be killed. And while they kill him in Jerusalem, three days after they kill them, all of a sudden the Spirit of God enters into them. And they begin to rise from the dead. And as they begin to rise from the dead with their bodies, they begin to go to heaven and everybody's looking at them. And then the middle of the tribulation starts where the Antichrist comes into the temple, proclaims to be God, and sits in the temple of God as God, and the Jews rebel against him, and two-thirds of the Jews are killed, and they flee. The one-third flees to the city of Petra, where God will protect them and watch over them. And yet at the same time, here we have Elijah, and he's standing before the presence of God, and Moses, and they're talking. And then check this out. Then verse 5. And then Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Rabbi, is it good for us to be here? Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you're nervous, and instead of keeping quiet, you speak out? That's Peter. Peter, it's time to shut up, not to speak. But what does he do? He opens his mouth. Look what he says to them. Verse 6. Because he did not know what to say. For they were greatly afraid. They were scared what they were watching. And Peter spoke out of nervousness. And then what happens? A cloud comes and overshadows them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear you him. You notice what we see here? We see Jesus, we see the cloud, and we see the voice. What's that? The Trinity of God. The Trinity of God, which the Jehovah Witnesses hate. Because they say there's no Trinity in the Bible. Well, it's right here, in many other places. The cloud represents what? The Shekinah glory of God. The voice is God the Father, and Jesus is the Son. At the baptism of Jesus, we see the Spirit, the voice, and Jesus. You see? The Trinity of God. And all of a sudden, can you imagine God the Father speaking to Peter, James, and John? And says, Peter, James, John. And then they're probably going, oh my goodness, we're dead. <laughs> this is my beloved son. The same thing he told him at the baptism. Listen to him. Suddenly... 
When they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. You know, everything changed immediately. Jesus was back in his human body. And then look what he says. And now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one these things they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Notice that. Here again, going to Jerusalem, he's revealing what? He's revealing his death and his resurrection again to them individually. Don't say nothing until we get there. In back of their minds. They were never thinking that Jesus was going to die. In their minds they thought, hey, we're going to Jerusalem. When we get to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to fight against Rome. And going to defeat Rome. And then guess what? We're going to sit on thrones. And we're going to rule. And we're going to reign. They were thinking of an earthly kingdom instead of a spiritual kingdom. Because they were earthly men. You see? They had not yet been born again of the Holy Spirit until John chapter 20. So here we have the instance of the disciples. Look what else it says. As he's commanding them not to say anything. Verse 10. And so they kept this word for themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead men. They're saying, what does that mean? They don't get it yet. Why? They don't have the Spirit of God in them. So they don't understand And they asked him saying, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Now they're going to ask the question, why do they say that Elijah must come first? And of course, they were saying that Elijah must come first because he would have to come first before the second coming of Christ. You see, Elijah already had come and God took him home. But then Elijah is going to come again. Then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how it is written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt. So he's saying, yes, it's going to happen. And who did Elijah identify himself with? John the Baptist, remember? They thought that John the Baptist was Elijah. He wasn't. The spirit of Elijah was in John the Baptist. But John the Baptist was not Elijah. So here we have the confusion unveiled. Then again he speaks about suffering many things. What is he talking about? He's talking about Psalm 22, Isaiah chapter 53. He's revealing to them his sufferings on the cross. Yes, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be spit upon. They're going to put a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to put nails on my hands and my feet. They're going to scorch me. They're going to mock me. Then they're going to crucify me. And I'm going to die. They didn't want to hear that. So Jesus said unto them, Yes, I say to you that Elisha also has come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written. You see? As the word of God said, it happened to Elisha too. Well, we hope you've been encouraged by today's assurance of Jesus' absolute deity and perfect power. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Today's message was taken from Mark chapter 9. If you'd like to receive a personal copy of this lesson in its entirety, just call us at 800-634-9165. For a donation of $5 or more, we'll send you a copy of today's message. We'd also like to tell you about a book that will further bolster your faith in Christ's eternal triumph. 
titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. This resource draws from Rawls' military background as a Vietnam veteran and relates the challenges of war to the spiritual battlefield. No matter what the circumstances of your life, you'll find Rawls' Bible-based training invaluable as you learn to face your challenges in the strength and authority of Jesus' name. Act now to order Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send your copy for $14 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165 or write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Our primary focus is to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord and find confidence in His unchanging Word. We welcome your input on how we can best serve you. Now, in our ongoing effort to come alongside you in your discipleship, we've developed a number of ways you can explore the Bible on your own. Our Somebody Loves You app is a way you can put online Bible studies at your fingertips. It also includes a scripture reading plan that can help you be more methodical in your reading of God's Word. And of course, you can listen to all of these Bible studies at your convenience when you download the podcast using Spotify or iTunes. Your tax-deductible gifts keep these programs on the air. We appreciate your generous partnership. Be sure and join us next time for our continuing series in Mark's Gospel. As we zero in on Jesus' teaching concerning divorce and remarriage, you'll see that as a Christian, you can't blindly follow the world's ways, but instead you need to see what God's vision is for you and your spouse. That's next time on Somebody Loves You Radio. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.